Our scripture reading today will come from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Prochorus, Nicander, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Amen this morning. If we believe there's a God, if we believe that God revealed himself in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we believe that Jesus lived a sinful life, that he died and God raised him from the dead, and we believe that God can move mountains, God can touch a hurting heart and a hurting soul, and he can change a life. This is what we believe. He's a mighty God. We serve a mighty, powerful God everlasting God who hears us when we call on his name and he answers our prayers according to his will. Inspector Gadget was a Saturday morning cartoon who was a problem solver. With his niece Penny and her dog Brain, there's nothing Inspector Gadget could not accomplish. On his body was a suit of clothing that helped him through every situation. If the inspector needed to fly, he would just raise up to his hat, turn a little button, and propellers would come, and he could just fly where he wanted to go. If he needed to be tall and get over buildings or something, in his legs were springs, and Inspector Gadget would just jump up on the spring and get where he needed to go. If he got put in jail, he had a torch in his gloves. He had scissors. He had a punching belt bag from his belt he could just punch something. Inspector Gadget was a problem solver. All coming from his body. Paul describes the church as a body of believers. And in the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27, Paul says there's all kinds of things attached to the body that helps the church to grow, to thrive, and to prosper, and to solve problems. God had given the body of Christ to do these things so that Christians would not be left out in the wind as to who God is and what He can do. Paul says He gave them apostles and prophets and teachers, and all these gifts work in the body so that the body can solve problems. John the Revelator, and who we read about this morning, is probably the only disciple who saw the work of the church from its inception when Jesus called the twelve to take up their cross and follow him. 
when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples in the book of Acts, he saw in the vision of what God wanted to do in the lives of the people. And he said, from all the nations of the world, every tongue and every tribe have come to the throne to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. In this body of all these nations was problem fixers. The church, through the lordship of Jesus Christ, can solve just about any problem. It was a church that helped poor people, widows, people in distress, people who were hurting, people who were hungry. It was a church, men and women of God, who started the sciences so that we could understand the universe and how things came to be because they believed and trusted God and knew that Jesus Christ was King of kings and Lord of lords and they were able to solve the problems in life. In our sermon text this morning in Acts chapter 6, the church, as we understand the church, came to know what a problem was internally. Up to this time, they were persecuted from the outside when they had to appear before kings or the Jewish leaders. Persecution was coming from the outside. But in our scripture this morning, they were fighting amongst themselves. It was their first problem inside the church. The problem was this. The Greek-speaking Jewish Christians who came from other cultures, not in Jerusalem, it was during the Feast of Pentecost, and they were required to come to the Feast of Pentecost to worship the Lord in temple. So people who were dispersed all over the Roman Empire had come to Jerusalem. They had heard the message of Jesus Christ and accepted Him as Lord and Savior and decided to live there. And when they came, they had widows in their midst. They felt like that their widows were being neglected. The Hebrew Jewish Christians who lived in Jerusalem at the time and thought that they were the true people of God because they followed the law of God, they knew all the commandments, they spoke in the original languages, they said, we are the people of God. So people looked to them to say, here's the people of God, we will take care of them. So two different kinds of Christians come together and they have a bickering contest. Those outside the system, so to speak, said, you're not taking care of the widows according to the law. Those inside the system says, well, you're really not our people. And so they had a problem. The law in the Old Testament had established the rules for taking care of widows and orphans. The Greek widow population was being neglected, and that caused a problem for the infant church. They were bickering and fighting about who's going to take care of these people according to the law. So they come to the apostles. They come right to the top and says, we have a problem and we need your help. The apostles offered a solution to their predicament. They said, find seven men who you trust and let them oversee this issue, what's going on. We will lay hands on them and pray for them and send them to do the work of the ministry. But when you pick these men, we have three requirements that they must uh, be a part of. Number one, they must be honest. Number two, they must be full of the Holy Spirit. And number three, they must have wisdom. These are the requirements when you bring these men to us. They must be able to do these three things. This would allow the apostles to continue their work of praying, studying, and preaching the word of God. Now just think about it for a minute. Here they come like a mighty rush to these 12 apostles and say, we need help out here. And they're thinking, you need help? We're on the run. Every day we're being called to these kings and these places and they want to kill us and throw us in jail. 
God has laid on our hearts to preach the word and spread the word. His conviction is in our lives. We're going out and doing this work. And we have a lot going on around us. The church is growing and moving forward. And you want us to be able to stop and do this? We got a lot going on, they said. Allow us to do what God has called us to do in the body. And you pick out men who can handle the situation and let them do their ministry in the church and let us work together and grow. The church agreed, and seven men were chosen to oversee the situation. What brought this agreement together with these two groups fighting? Number one, they did come to the apostles and said, we had a problem. In most churches, when there's a problem, whoever the problem is, somebody's got to go. The members got to go, the preachers got to go, but somebody's got to go. Somebody has to get out of here. They didn't say that. They didn't say because you're not taking care of our people, we're just going to get up and leave. They came to the apostles and brought the situation to them. The two sides worked together to fix the problem. The apostles listened to this situation and they called the church together. We've heard your concern. We've heard your desire. We will bring the believers together. The apostles followed the example of Moses and Jethro. We learned this last week. When Jethro said, it's too much for you to handle by yourselves, pick you some men to oversee thousands and hundreds and tens and twenties so that you can pray, seek the face of God, and teach them the word of God. They picked up on what um, Jethro had told Moses. The church came together and they chose Greek-speaking men. This would have been believers who come from outside of Jerusalem. These were men who understood the Greek-speaking Christians. One of the things I love about being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is when I would go to the prison to preach, there would be so many times men who had been in jail, who had come out of jail and accepted Jesus Christ, taught me what needed to be done to reach those men. I couldn't come in like I was and reach them. It had to be somebody who knew and understood their situation, knew what they were going through to reach to the heart of where they were. What a move by the church to pick those in that language and in that culture and say, God, use them to reach these people. They work together in that sense. These men understood the feeling of those neglected. And as a result, the whole church came together as one. The result of them listening to the word of God, following God, and working together. Here's the result of what happened in the church. Number one, the church maintained its unity. The needs of the widows were met. They heard the call. They looked into the word of God. They picked out men who understood. And they said, let's go meet this need. We need to fix this problem. And the Bible says in verse 7, the church continued to grow. Up to this point, over 5,000 people were added to the church. This internal problem did not cause the church not to grow. It moved and it spread because they listened, they heard, they worked together, they got in the word of God, and they said, we are the church of the living God, let's fix this problem. But most importantly, I think they maintained their witness. In uh, verse 7 of chapter 6, at the very end of the verse, the Bible says, and many 
priests came to the faith. Their witness of the Lord Jesus Christ and working together brought the Jewish men who were priests in the temple who did not know Jesus Christ. They came to the faith. Why did they come to the faith? Because they seen their life lived out in these believers doing what God had asked them to do. And it struck their hearts with such passion and such desire. They said, we got to follow him. I think that could tell us something today. When the church works together, we reach the lost man. When we work as a body, work as one, we fix problems. They listened, they heard, they followed. The priests were amazed that these men would work together between these two groups. God was in their midst, and they worked it out. I want to say to you this morning, the church of the living God is a problem fixer. It is seen in the lives of the apostles and in the growth of the church. The apostles got things done. The church got things done. They saw a problem. They talked about the problem. They prayed about the problem. They looked in the word of God about the problem. And they fixed the problem. How did the apostles do this? Number one, they were called by the Lord Jesus Christ. He called them one by one. I've seen you over here. I see you're a fisher of men. Come, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus Christ called them, and from their hearts they heard the word. They saw the Messiah, and they say, we will follow and serve you. Secondly, the apostles were taught by Jesus, walking with him around for three and a half years, taking everything in that he was teaching them, watching all the signs and wonders and miracles that he did. They were right there as eyewitnesses, and they said, teach us your way. Teach us your word, because we want to follow you. They were filled with the Holy Spirit by Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, he says, you wait here. I'm going to go to the Father and I will send the other comforter. They were filled with the Spirit of the living God to do the ministry. While they were walking with Jesus, Jesus would say, the Spirit is with you. In other words, they saw all the works of God around them. But the time will come where he will be in you. His permanent presence will abide in your life forever. And you will walk and talk in my name. They obeyed the Lord Jesus. Jesus told them, now when I die and I go to heaven, I want you to wait. I want you to wait on me till I send the promise of God. Don't do your own thing. Don't go your own way. But wait right here till I go to the Father. They obeyed him and listened to him. And they prayed all 120. They followed Jesus' mission and vision for the church. What did he say in Acts chapter 2? He said, start in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Start right here and do the ministry. This is my will and my desire for you to start at home and then spread yourself out. They followed the Lord Jesus Christ and his mission and vision on what he wanted them to do. The disciples opened every part of their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. The church opened up every part of their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says they were daily breaking bread together. They prayed together. They served together. They worshiped together. They gave her their sustenance together. Everything they did, they did together. They flowed and moved as one body, and they solved problems. This congregation, this church is part of that body. 
You are problem fixers. We do not have to die as a congregation. We do not have to be one of those things where they said another church went out of business. Another church is closing down. We are problem fixers. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. His spirit reigns in us. His word directs us. He leads us and guides us. We don't have to die. Just let me lay a couple things out for you as problem fixers. And hopefully some of us don't jump out of our seats because of politics. Okay. When COVID came around, there was a huge fight in the church. To what extent do we obey the government? Hebrews says we are together together as a body of Christ. We serve and follow God. We cannot shut her down. Another group says, no, we must be an obedient to those who oversee us. Both are scriptural in the Bible. So the church had to be slick. What are we going to do to obey God in a sense and listen to our rulers in a sense because Paul did not tell us how to fix this problem. This is one we haven't heard of. What are we going to do? I just want to mention this church here. Seems to me you put masks on. You came to church. You separated yourselves. Pastor Brody got on the Facebook and there in his office and talked to you through the week and preached to you. You guys stayed together. Did you not have outdoor services? You got in your cars. You did all kinds of things that you had to do to fix the problem. The problem was you're the body of Christ. We represent him. We're to be an influence in the community. If we go to church, that's one way we're doing it. But then they say, you're not listening to the government. Don't your Bible say you got to listen to the government? And if you stay home, they say to you, what kind of Christian are you? Why ain't you getting in the church? Ain't God going to heal you and touch you and change you and all that? What do you believe? But you worked it out and you fixed the problem. We are a problem-fixing church. And we hear it all the time. Why are churches closing? Why are they going down? When we had our last meeting with the district, I know it got hot and heavy, but one of the comments I absolutely love the most in problem fixing, when the guy come out and says, you're going to owe us so much money. I mean, one of the members pulled out the checkbook and says, how much do I owe you? I'm paying it right now. Problem fixer. This is what we are. We see the need, we answer the need because God calls us to do it. In being problem fixers, we can get things done. The military calls it adapt and overcome. You adapt and you overcome. We have to move forward in our faith, in our lives, and we have to let the Lord Jesus Christ touch us, move us, direct us, and guide us. In being problem fixers, we have a leadership agreement. Constitution, page 11, appendix 1. If you want to be a leader in the church, you've agreed to this. This is what you said you would do being a leader. This is what the seven said they would do. The apostles outlined what it was to do this ministry. And he said, these are the three requirements. When you came on the board or any leadership that you decided to be on... You came to this agreement. We have a membership agreement. Constitution, page 2, article 3. We have a staff agreement. 
Page 7, section 2. What's the preacher supposed to do? What do we expect of the preacher? What do we expect of the church administrator? The preacher, the administrator, we agree to these things. We said this is what God is calling us to do in the body, and we agree to do that and follow that. We are heirs of a rich tradition. I will keep repeating this. Alexander Mack, salvation, the spirit touching your life, the word confirming that move is what directed them as brethren. It's what called them and it's what moved them. It's what directed them is what caused them to grow. We have that tradition today. Christ in our lives, changing us, making us and molding us. The spirit leading us and directing us and guiding us. And the word of God confirming all of that in the way we are and what we do. We have a beautiful building. A beautiful, traditional, Protestant building. It's awesome looking with the stained glass windows, the pews. I don't want to be updated. I don't want those fancy buildings they have now where it's just you can put a gym in it, put this in it, put that in it. I want a place of God. These pictures mean something to the old saints. It's the way they taught and learned about Jesus Christ. It gets hot in here, but the old saints, they like being hot. They didn't care if it's 900 degrees in the house of God. They didn't care if they had to sit on straw bells. They didn't care if the preacher ran all around the church, spit, jumped, cried, laughed. They wanted to be in this house to worship him. This is an awesome building to be in. We have leadership in place. All the leaders in place to do what needs to be done. All the commissions have a leader. We have a leader on the board. We have people in place to do the work of the ministry. There is no excuse for it not to get done. There is no excuse for us not to grow. No excuse for us not to move forward in the kingdom of God. We have the leadership to do it. We have the finances. The money's here to do the work of the ministry. All churches are scared. Most churches have big fat bank accounts, $300,000, $400,000 in their savings account. Nobody wants to go down and dwindle and not pay their bills. Families have savings accounts. They have retirement funds. Husbands hide money. I'm sure all the husbands got a place they hide their money that the wife don't know about. I've been in trouble more times than I can imagine. Did you hide money? I'm going to lie but tell the truth. No, I didn't hide the money. I just put it in a particular place. I know you got it hid around here somewhere. But everybody's worried about money and finances. But we have it here. And God said he would bless it and multiply it if we do it for his glory and honor. This is what he promises. It's here for us to use for his glory. We have a congregation here that will make things happen. You want to make it happen, and we can do it. If I ask you to help me, you help me. If I call you and you talk to me, you help me. I'll keep you on the phone for three hours. I visit too much. Amy says you've got to get out of here. You can't stay all night. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> but you are willing to make things happen because you want the church to grow and move. It was laid on a firm foundation. You are willing to make things happen. But best of all, out of saying all this stuff, best of all, we have the Father, 
We have the Son and we have the Holy Spirit working in our lives. If he rules and reigns in our lives, if he tugs at your heart, if he calls on your name, you must obey. You can be like Jonah and run, but sooner or later, you're coming up out of that fish and you're going to do the will of God. He will not let you go until you concede to him and his lordship. With all these things working together in our lives, him working through us, him touching us, and his calling us, don't tell me about we don't have no young people. We got them. They're here every other weekend, 10, 12, 14. We have children's church. We have Sunday school. We have what's needed. We have in our families kids that aren't saved, that don't go to church nowhere. Don't say we don't have it. We do. Be a problem fixer. Speak the word of God into their lives. After all, it's the word of God that does the work, right? You can talk all day long to somebody about life and about in general, but when you start talking about the lordship of Jesus Christ, that he was God in the flesh, that he died and rose again, all of a sudden the whole conversation changes and the person starts thinking about their life and what really matters in life. We are problem fixers. With all of this working in our lives, what excuse can we give not to grow and move forward for the kingdom of God? There is none. We have what's needed. What's the problem? Let's fix the problem. Let's work together and let God be glorified in our congregation. Let him be glorified in our workplaces. Let him be glorified in our retirement. Let him be glorified in every aspect of our life. And let Jesus Christ be lifted up. And he says, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We don't have an excuse not to grow and move forward. We have everything needed. We are part of the body of Christ. And we are problem fixers. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name, thanking you for the body of Christ worldwide and all the people all around the world who've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior may work in different denominations. But Lord, we must work together through the Lordship of Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, to be a witness and to fix problems. We must work as one. This body and all of its parts must function together. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for their heart and their desire to reach out and to make things happen. I pray, Lord God Almighty, as we keep going through this thing in the Constitution and we keep growing in the Constitution and we listen to your voice, that we be in one, we be in agreement with what you're asking us to do in the future. We need you. We need your help. We need your direction. And we cannot fail not because of us, but because of you and your glory and your honor. You be exalted, you be lifted up, and you be glorified in our lives. You be glorified in this congregation. And let God be glorified in everything we say and do through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through us, Lord, you will fix the problems as we work together. I pray this now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.